Salutations and welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo and Umbi. How's it going, Jojo B? And Umbi? Yeah, I've realised that your new slogan, your new catchphrase is, and um, which you said incessantly oh, through screwed. the last show, and also... Why uh, do you have to make me so self-conscious about everything for? No, it's, it means, I think that and um, in, in my thought process, is you thinking you know and you've got so many ideas running through your brain at the same time and you're just using that to formulate your next opinion so and um really is uh you know it's quite a you know a loving are you saying it's like hearing the cogs turning in my head is yeah. that what you're saying it's like you know that kind of hamster that's just like kind of running rat circles and it's like you know <laughs> the squeaky wheel <laughs> you're such a horrible man i'm not i'm just it's i'm just self-conscious about everything all the time well it's because yeah because i keep saying jojo underscore b and everyone's just like, why do you keep calling her underscore? It's just Jojo B. Whereas I'm kind of thinking, I think we need to give you a new moniker. Jojo and um B uh, <gasps> might be quite cool. Oh my God. And um my God. Shut up. Right. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Um, so what's and... Um, yeah, so you do it as well. I don't make you feel bad about it because you know why? Because I'm a nice person. Really? That's why. And I'm a good wife. Okay, if you, so if you're a good wife, why when we have our alarms on in the mornings throughout the week, do you put the vibrate on and then leave the phone on the bedside drawer? And so... It's literally like someone drilling like one of those big pneumatic drills into the side of my cranium uh, every single morning. Just to piss you off? Because before you used to just have the the It's my revenge when you snore in my face. (laughs) If the snoring doesn't kill you, the drilling will. Because before you used to just have the the alarm song or the alarm tune ringtone that you used to have before. And that was quite quite melodic. You never used to snore before? It's my revenge, isn't it? It's my revenge. Because I don't snore, so it's my revenge. But see, good people don't have revenge. I thought that's the whole point of being a nice person. Well, I try and remain as nice as possible, but this is what you've driven me to. So you see, that's how much of a bad person you are. You made a good person bad. Can you hear this? So are you you saying you're married to a bad person? Yes. Isn't that an issue in your character and judgment? Everyone knows I've got bad judgment. That's actually very true. Everyone knows. That I like everybody and I shouldn't. But we were talking about you and your bad judge of character on a separate show because that would probably deserve an entire episode in itself. You'll probably get three or four out of that, to be honest. Yeah, we don't want to, you know, <laughs> go in depth so quickly when there's so much to discuss, Jojo B. Yes, there is. Like, we were on radio. Oh my God, yeah, we were. This week, Swami Barakas, myself, Jojo B, my co-host, were on Tom Robinson's show on BBC Six Music. We were on national radio. Yeah, it was an absolutely awesome gesture from uh, Tom Robinson to give us this opportunity. Such um, a lovely man. Just an, like one of my favourite people in the entire world, um, as far as I'm concerned. He's, uh, like I said in a previous episode, he's helped me throughout my whole career and, you know, giving us this opportunity as podcast hosts on a what is a music show was was incredibly kind. So, so lovely. That man is full of love. Yeah. Um, thank you to everyone that actually listened in that listened in live to the show, um, you know, because you can now listen to it on iPlayer and kind of see what we talked about, our interviews and the music, etc. But, you know, listen in live. What's, where, where's live? That, that's real love and dedication, that is. Yeah, live radio. Now we've got the iPlayer and we've got people that stream things back. You know, the, the art of listening to radio live, I feel has kind of been lost lately. 
Yeah, unless you're a taxi driver, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you're yeah an Uber driver kind of on the way back from a, a late night picking up the worst customer from Heathrow Airport. Yeah, and truckers. And truckers, yeah. <laughs> Trucking is a lost art. Big up the truckers. Big up truckers. Yeah, thank you to everyone who listened. Some of the things that we spoke about, Jojo B, we kind of discussed diversity in the workplace. Yes, we did. <laughs> you know, Jojo B. Uh, I won't say any more than that. You have to listen to the show. Actually, we, yeah. Should we just tell people to listen back to the yeah, show? Yeah, we picked some of our favourite songs and we talked about various different topics. Yeah. Some of the, some of the artists that we did include uh, are people like Bally Sagu. Yes. Uh, Asian Dub Foundation. Yeah, B21. B21. Kishore Kumar. Yeah. And, and the reason we picked Kishore Kumar is, again, something you'll have to listen back to the show uh, and find out because it's quite a, it's quite poignant. It's a special song for us. It is a special song, um, and you'll find out why if you listen back to the show. I'm going to really promote the the shit out of telling people to listen back to the show. Yeah, Tom Robinson show from Saturday night uh, on BBC Six Music. Yes, and it's um, we come in two hours into the show. Yes, um, for and, the last hour. Yeah, for the last hour of the show, and we also pick like a banger of a midnight hour track for the show. Yes. Like if you're if you've been to any crazy rave back in the nineties all the way till today, <laughs> this is one track that's guaranteed to get everyone to spaz the fuck out on a dance floor. Absolutely. It's such a tune. And if it doesn't get you up and dancing, you've got to really take a long, hard look at yourself. Yeah. There's been many a night where yours truly has been off his tits while drunk on a floor when that track's on. Um, you know, I'm man I enough think many to admit. people have the, a similar kind of story. <laughs> yeah, um, share share with us your stories of being drunk off your face and dancing to this particular tune or any track. Uh, you know, send us your send us your thoughts, send us your experiences. Your favorite end of night tracks. What are people's end of night favorite tracks? Jojo B, what is your favorite end of night track? I think it have to be the one that we picked. It is the ultimate end of night track because where you use up the last of your energy and then you go home. You know what? Grab a bagel on the way home. Yeah, grab, grab something from Bagel and Shakes or Bagel Bites on a, on a drunk night out. You know, it's really weird because the end of night track would always be distinguishable by the the vibe of the night, the clientele of the night. Because like at a, at a rave, like the kind of ones that we used to go to in places like Bombay Bronx and VIP Ramp and these things, we'd hear a track like the track that we chose on scene. I find it so hard to not tell don't people. Don't say it, don't say it. it you will have give to too listen much to away. the show. Yeah, absolutely. You have to listen to the show. Um, but, you know, the vibe of the track would dictate the, the end track of the night, basically. So yeah. so that track is very much of that period, of that kind of club night, of the kind of vibe of the night. Whereas I remember when I used to go uni, the kind of end track they used to come on was like, come on, Eileen. <laughs> or something like that. Okay. So you need to work in men's clubs. No, it's just like it was like you know because uni nights were all like cheesy pop, like just getting drunk. By then you haven't even got a grasp of language, let alone music. So you just be listening to the like the worst pop songs of that of that era. Um, and I remember many a night where I would go nuts on Come On Eileen. Well, that's a confession and a half, isn't it? Yeah. Big up. There you go. Then Come On Eileen. Yeah. Come On Eileen. Yeah, well, it's so got, come on. It's got, a, it's got a couple of different uh, connotations to that, hasn't it, though, to be fair? Okay, moving on. <laughs> what else has been going on this week, love? What else has been happening this week? Well, we've also been like, encouraging people to give us more ratings and reviews on our, uh, on our <laughs> iTunes page. We've been begging for reviews. We've been begging for reviews, yeah. I told you already, the man is going to shut us down. If we don't give some uh, or get some feedback and some reviews and ratings from people, so fight um, the power, fuck the man. 
Fight the power, fuck the man. I think that's a fight the power, fuck the man. Fight the power, fuck the man. Fight the power, fuck the. Man. This is like um, we should maybe we should get like slogans on t-shirts. Yeah. Saying fight the power, fuck the man. And then at immigrants underneath. At immigrants, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the immigrants clothing line, which will be coming soon to a to a <laughs> store and a market stall near you, uh, will be uh, having that as our catchphrase: fight the power, fuck the man. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we want to um, thank um, a few people that sent us, because uh, I did say that if you send us a review or rating, we will, you know, give you a personal thanks in the show. Yeah. So if that's not a big enough incentive for you. What about the ones who give us bad reviews? Do we still give them shout outs? We should, because then we can air them out. We can be like, this person called, I don't know, um, Suki69 said that Nimigrants is like the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. They don't even sound Asian. Apologies if there is a Suki 69 out there. You haven't actually said anything. And so... If you are called Suki 69, maybe look to a different, you know, (laughs) alias. Um, Because, you know, I don't think your parents would be too happy with that. Anyway. Yeah, okay. So Come on. Right. So first of all, I'd like to thank uh, Monster ID, who actually said, uh, great stuff, funny and thought-provoking insight into being a British Asian in 2018. Also, Swami Brackus is very, very sexy. Oh. Monster ID. Jojo B, you have competition. Do I? Or did you pay someone to write that? I or did you just write it yourself? Uh, why would I? Conveniently, it's somebody that we can't identify. Monster ID. Monster ID. Uh-huh. If you are Monster ID, obviously DM me first before telling me who you specifically are. Because, um, you know, don't want to get Jojo B or... She's already in an aya with Alessio. So we don't want another person. Let's leave Alessio out of this, yeah. No, exactly. But Swami shares the love. Do you know what I mean? I'm not not just like, you know, I'm obviously I'm a one, you know, woman man, but I have to I have to allow myself to be available because that's how you get popular. I've got to show people just that you read are popular. Some more of the reviews, will you? Right. Come on. <laughs> All right. So we've also got a review from Lord of Stratford. <laughs> what a name. What a that is a title and a half. Can I be Lord of Jojo B? Maybe it's a probably a better way to Excuse look at me. it. Excuse me. Uh, okay, wait a minute. So his review, I don't know whether you should even say this. Um, great podcast that was fun and entertaining. Swami Barakas is good, but his wife adds the magic to the show. Yeah, I do. If he is the curry, then she adds the spice. Come on, Mrs. Barakas. That rocks. is one that I love. That's what? brilliant. Lord of Stratford, are we still? Are we both listening to the same show? Thank you, Lord of Stratford. Thank yeah, you very, very what? much, Lord of Stratford. Like, I really appreciate your five star rating, but bruv. Or is it a bruv? Could it be a bravi? Well, wouldn't that be Lady of Stratford then? Uh, but she could be doing the whole kind of like, I can be a lord. A woman can be a lord. You know, that well, kind either of... way, I don't really care. Thank you very much. Look at this. Jojo B getting some love uh, on, Finally, our, on this someone. podcast. And the last one we've got is from Miss MBC, who says, down to earth, young, young, uh, <laughs> British Asian couple offering a fresh perspective on living life in London, politics, music, and everything in between. Listening to them is like chatting with your friends around the dinner table. Good fun. Keep going, guys. Aww. Thank you so much. Thank you uh, very, Ms. very NBC. much. That is very, very kind. You know, thank you to everyone that listens into the show. You know, talking seriously, it's incredibly humbling for us that people genuinely are interested at what, we, what we're saying. Yeah, that you want to listen to our waffle is amazing. Thank yeah. you very, very much. Thank we you so much. We just on the floor of our living room <laughs> exactly. recording this every week yeah and uh we really appreciate the fact that you spend your time your precious time yeah listening to us absolutely and it is the kind of show that now you know the sun's out have a little stroll 
put the headphones on, listen to our podcast. Yeah. On the way to work, listen to our podcast. While you're, you know, walking the dog or going to the gym or um, having a mutt, just what? listen to our podcast. And, you know, I'm trying to tell people that you can listen to our podcast in any different environment. You know? No, when they're touching themselves, don't do that while you're touching yourself, please. You know, no, why are you stopping people from listening to our show? If you do want to do that and, you know, and, and have some self-love, listen to our podcast. There's nothing wrong if you want to have some self-love, but just not while listening to us. Just give me the heebie-jeebies. You're stopping people from listening to our show. We're trying to bring people in. You're just stopping listen. people from doing okay, that. Okay, fine. Listen to us then. <laughs> yeah, listen into our show. Just don't tell us. Yeah, don't, don't tell yeah, us that's what you're doing. Yeah, maybe don't put that on a rating or review because then the man would probably shut us down. No. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Should we talk about what we watched this week? We ha- we can talk about what we watched this week. First of all, myself and my good wife decided to do something very cultural. Oh, yeah. We went to the theatre. Yes, we did. We went all the way to the theatre. And um, it was bloody brilliant. It was awesome. Uh, we saw Young Frankenstein at the Garrick Theatre. Yeah. I'm a massive uh, Mel Brooks fan, and I love mostly all of his films. Blazing Saddles is still the funniest film I've ever seen in my life. I still haven't watched that. Uh, I'm try- again, it's another thing where I'm trying to instill some, you know, humor into Jojo B's life. And I've tried a multiple times to get... A- no, it wasn't multiple times. It was one time. And you put it on when I was half asleep in bed. Okay, and then so I I've- fell asleep and you were like, oh my God, I can't believe you fell asleep. And I was like, but I was already half asleep when you put it on. I've tried on multiple occasions to get you to watch it. Every time I've been turned down. And on this one occasion, right, I finally we'll watch get it tonight. you to watch- We'll watch it tonight. We're going to watch it tonight? Yeah. Deal. We'll watch it tonight, and then the next podcast, I'll let you know what I think of Blazing Saddles. Okay, so the next podcast, you're going to get a review from Jojo B for Blazing Saddles. Now that you've, like, we've I've built it caught up, up on the assassination of Gianni Versace, which has been freaking me out because I don't like to have anything Amazing to do show. with serial killers and people dying and being scared. And that's all I've been through, that whole program. Um, now that we've caught up on that, and there's no more episodes of that to torture me with, I will watch that. Good. But yeah, Young Frankenstein. Do you know what? I was a bit skeptical because I'm a big fan of the original film with Gene Wilder and Marty Feldman. It is brilliant. I have um, seen that. Madeline Kahn. But you know what? They did a really good job of this interpretation. The it, cast were awesome. Awesome cast. And they almost like updated it and made it a little bit contemporary with the humor. The songs were really funny. Yep. Songs were quite filthy as well, which I kind of really enjoyed. <laughs> There's a song um, about tits, yeah. which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But me and you were the only two people like properly laughing out loud. Yeah, the demographics of this audience were definitely our parents' generation, can I say? Mostly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there was us, uh, the two Asians, <laughs> kind of laughing our heads off at, like, the, at, the, at the very sign of tits coming up. Yeah, just the know. word tits. Made just us tits. Um, so yeah, we were cracking up. But you know, it did, it did actually harp me back to, you know, Asians going to the theatre. Oh, yeah. You know, I, like we've had, we've had some great experiences, you know, watching theatre. And then we watched Cat on a Hot Tin Roof recently. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, one of my favourite films of all time. So I had to see it at the, the theatre when it was there. Yeah. And um, it had, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Jack O'Connell. Yeah. And it had... Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller. <laughs> I'm really bad at remembering people's names. Um, and they were awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant show. People around us. Pretty much brilliant as well. Everyone really gets into it. 95% of people. But that 5%, love, you tell them about that 5%. So the 5% specifically, really, was this one Asian chick. Two Asian girls. And, you know, I'm, you know people would be like, why do you have to bring up the fact that she's Asian? It's because this chick had no manners. And you know what? The thing with me is, I'm a, you know, I like going to the theatre. I like enjoying the theatre. But... We're a cultured couple. Yeah, but seeing Asians ruin things for other people 
it just puts a bad reflection on all of us. That's not how I see it, but that is how people outside of our culture view us. Yeah. So the, this chick was basically on her phone for like the second half of the performance. Oh my God, it was meant to be like pitch black and you're meant to be watching the stage and there's like unbelievable dialogue going on. Tennessee Williams dialogue is brilliant. And there's this stupid bitch on her phone with the light shining really brightly and like just annoying the fuck out of all of us. Yeah, so it wasn't, so a light was on and it affects everyone behind her because there's a, a, the, the, the light, the flash of the light coming off. It affects people either side of her, but she literally didn't have a care in the world and she's on her phone and the woman next to her just said, um, excuse me, could you not be on your phone because it's, you know, it's disruptive and it's, it's affecting everyone around. Um, and she kind of like more or less kind of brushed it off in a way. She, she carried on kind of on her phone. Yeah. And she, and then the woman actually had to put like, like a little, she had a little, her jacket and stuff and kind of held it up in a way. Well, I think she used a hand at first. Yeah. And then what she tried, started trying to do was like wiggle her phone around, try and keep it in her eye line. Yeah. So then yeah, she put yeah. her jacket up. And then what this stupid cow did was like try and bring her phone around so that she was leaning forward so that this woman couldn't avoid the phone. Yeah. And she, all she could see was the light. But it, what she did, she was torturing this poor woman, but she's also torturing the rest of us as well. Yeah. And this woman was just so unbelievably rude. Yeah. She's such a cow. And so then this, another person that was actually on a road behind us went to speak to the security to get someone to come over and deal with the situation. Um, and the woman came along, told this woman, look, you can't be on your phone, please. And she put her phone down and then she just started doing like weird hand gestures and stuff like kind of cracking her knuckles and kind of stretching her arms out basically yeah. unbelievably childish unbelievably petty um and just made herself out to look like a real cock cheese and this woman was obviously like she must have been in her like late 20s early 30s yes she looked about the same age as me and i was like Get a grip, you childish idiot woman. I can't believe how angry I'm about this again. Yeah, we were absolutely livid. And um, and to make her a point of it, we we sat down in protest in a way. We so didn't when, let her pass. She yeah. had to climb over the, the, uh, the row of seats. <laughs> yeah, so basically as soon as the show the show finished, um, because she was on the end um, on, on our left-hand side and the only way for her to get out was coming past us, our entire row just sat down and we were like, fuck this shit, we're not letting this bitch cross us. So she had to then use her legs to kind of elongate herself onto the row in front in order for her to get out. I really wish she'd fallen down. Yeah. I don't wish any kind of pain on anyone ever. But that girl was just so mean and so rude to the woman next to us. It was unbelievable. That woman said to me, she's like, do you mind if I walk out with you? Because I don't know what she's going to do when I get outside. And <laughs> I was like, crazy. of course you can walk with us. But that silly cow is not going to do anything. She's all talk and she is an idiot. And yeah. this woman had to walk out with us. Yeah. But she also, she got told off by the American woman sitting behind us. Yeah, so the American woman was just like, you know, how dare you be on your phone through a performance that's incredibly rude and she was like what makes you think i didn't have an emergency i had an emergency call so everyone was like well why don't you just take the call and go outside and she was like i'm done talking to you i'm done talking to you and and that's when we were just like fuck this shit we're not moving um, so anyway stupid bitch hope you're not listening to us fuck you bitch i don't like to call women bitches but you know sometimes some people just deserve it and she deserved it okay fuck you jizz monkey yes there you go um so even monkeys are better than her yes very true you know and that goes for everybody who just likes to kind of like fidget around and annoy the people behind you or anything like that be courteous put your phones away sit still and just enjoy the show for fuck's sake yeah and at the cinema for fuck's sake 
<laughs> right, I've had my rant. Okay. <laughs> All right. When we come back on the other side, we're going to be talking about some of the programs we've watched this week of television and also uh, the big topic of agenda this week, which is the Windrush scandal. See you in a bit, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Nath Natarajan, and I'm joined by Jojo V. <laughs> so people think, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, you're going to have to explain that one. All right, so we did explain the first half of the show that we were on, a, on the radio show with Tom Robinson and BBC Six Music. Uh, as soon as we got there to the building, they usually issue us with, uh, you know, these um, ID cards. And uh, my one had the name... Swaminath Natarajan. It's quite a cool name, though. It is really. Do you know what? If I'd have had the real name Swaminath Natarajan, I don't think I would have chosen a rap name as, as my alias. You would have been the unpronounceable. The unpronounceable Swaminath Natarajan. <laughs> the unpronounceable. Yeah, sounds but, good, though. It is sound quite. Shall I should we change it up? Swaminath Natarajan. Big up Six Music for giving me well, that. I was Jojo name. Barakas. I was like, when did that That's happen? That's your real name? That's not what the B stands for. Oh, what does the V stand for? It's for my maiden name, which I don't need to reveal. It's fine. It stands for Baracus. Now it does, I guess. I'm joined now by my co-host, Jyoti Baracus. Oh, hi, Swaminath. <laughs> Fucking <dang. laughs> Right. So before we talk about this week's topic of agenda, I know you hate that, that term. <laughs> it makes no sense when you say that. But it's our, it's our phrase. This is there's something that we've coined. It's up there with Just- Amei. As uh, one of the things that we've coined, topic of agenda. Topic of agenda. Fine. Okay, I'll go with it. It makes no sense whatsoever. To you, it may not. But to our millions of listeners out there who know exactly what I'm talking about, it's something they look forward to every week. And so I'm giving it to my people. So shut your mouth. We should discuss Miku downstairs. Um, I'm not sure if it's... I still haven't decided whether it's a boy or a girl. It's an it. Let's just call it an it. 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 Miku is what we've named it. <laughs> this past week, uh, it's actually had another it. Oh, God, yeah, there's, there's, there's been two, two of them. There's been two of them, you know, and obviously because, you know, the sun's been out, the weather's been amazing out there, they've all decided to open up literally every window in their flat. So now we have like surround sound hell. Yeah, you can hear them literally from the other side of the street. So Miku and um, we, don't, one. we don't have a name for the other one. All right, so, okay, so we named Miku after Meek Mill. Yeah. So obviously Meek Mill's best mate in rap is Rick Ross. Okay. So we just call him Riku. <laughs> Miku Riku. Miku and Riku. It's like it's like the two twins from like yeah, everybody oh. loves Raymond. You know they just like completely fucking cause chaos everywhere they go. Yeah. It, it, it's almost like the the two little Gujarati versions of those two twins. If you know me, I'm not a big fan of Rick Ross either, so that makes complete sense. Yeah. For me to hate this child as well. Yeah. So because there's been two of them, so we've had double the dose. Of terror. I'm hoping that he's just over on a work permit. <laughs> and he's not actually just around. He's there to scrub the floors. <laughs> he's just there to... He doesn't have to be. Why does he have to scrub the floor? He could be there as a... What? He could, have, he could have a proper, like, government job. Whilst also screaming and annoying the shit out of us. But you know, India has all those, like, crazy, like, child geniuses. You know, be able to do their GCSEs at, like, two years old. And then by 11, they're, like, rocket scientists and... But still children and annoying. You know, it's kind of yeah, really shitty, annoying children. Yeah. But incredibly smart. God, what if we have one like that? A child that's an incredible genius. I would love it. 
A genius, yes, but an irritating shit at the same time. So it's got my traits in that it's a genius, and it's got the irritating shit in its life. From I think your you might side. find that might be the other way around. Uh, that's debatable. I think so. I, I think, think our listeners think... would know exactly which side is which. Yeah, I think they will, and I think they'll agree with me. I <laughs> highly, highly doubt it. Um, if our listeners tell us if we do have a child in the future, which side is going to be the irritating shit? And which side is which side? Which side? Well, which side? you just proved it. Didn't you? you just proved it. You can't be a genius. It's because these kind of small, insignificant words are below me. I use words like extemporaneous in my everyday speech. Um, <laughs> in the you know, wrong context. Is um, you know which one is the uh, genius side from? You know, tell us, call us, email us, DM us. Follow us on all our social media platforms. <laughs> and immigrants. And immigrants, yes. And send us a review and rating, which I've said a number of times. Um, okay, so uh, this past week on television, we watched My Turban and Me on, yes, on BBC. And um, basically, it's Sanjeev Singh Kohli, who uh, is uh, a comedian. He goes by the name Sanjeev Kohli. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. Sanjeev Kohli. Yeah, he doesn't have the singer in his name. Right, okay. So Sanjeev Kohli, yeah. who's a brother of Hardeep Singh Kohli. Yeah. See, that's where I get mixed up. Yeah. Uh, and he's a comedian, obviously, done numerous comedic roles in the past and stand-up. And he explores the turban uh, because he doesn't wear one. And he... Um, but he, his brother does and his dad does. Yeah, he's, he's got two brothers. Both of them wear the turban. Yeah. Um, and I think he was saying that he's an atheist, but he's still um, very proud of his Punjabi culture. Yeah. So it was more to explore um, the reasons people wear the turban, the history behind it. Um, what are your thoughts, Jojo B? I thought it was a really interesting insight into um, the Sikh community in Britain today um, and what happened when our parents first came over. And, you know, some, a lot of men, including my dad, cut their hair yeah. um, to integrate and to... Um, to be part of uh, British society without standing out too much. But not also that, but also they faced so much, you know, oppression and prejudice, you know, from when they initially came over. And I think some of them probably without choice were having to cut their hair. Yeah, well, um, like I said, because they didn't want to stand out too much. They didn't yeah. want to be a centre of attention. So they um, decided to cut their hair and kind of make themselves a bit more inconspicuous. Um, and it was really interesting to see how that's now changed completely with the generation now who are kind of second, third generation, who are really confident and, and kind of embracing their religion and their identity and not afraid to show who they are, um, both men and women. Yeah, um, you know the girls uh, wearing the bug or the star, however you want to. That's something interesting that it. I kind of found from the show was the gentleman that was saying about the way uh, the turbans are actually tied. Yeah, I, I always looked at it as as the kind of the archetypal turban that I've seen most people wear. Yeah, is actually more a military or a, or a service person's. Yeah, turban. they were saying that it was um, the kind of hangover from colonialism. So yeah, that's how um, Sikh men used to wear their their uh, turbans in the like kind of in colonial time so whether that was within the military or if they were just in the service of the british yeah that's how they tied it yeah and there was and so, a kind of real progression as well with that to get to that point yeah but that's that's the turban that i've throughout my life especially growing up in and around areas like south Hall and stuff where most of the communities seek most of it's punjabi you know most of the gentlemen would sport their turbans yeah, in that style and so i would thought that was the kind of standard style where actually now it's um you know it's looked upon as something that was um, a, you know, a colonial style almost in a way. So now they're having more of the kind of a wraparound. Yeah, it's like rounder and yeah. a bit higher, I think. And I think that's apparently how it used to traditionally be tied for 
uh, Sikh warriors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. I, there was loads of stuff that I didn't know that I learned that day. And there was a lot of kind of parallels that I could draw from my family as well. Yeah. So yeah, my dad's not a religious man. So he was when he came over and he kind of fell into a different crowd and gave up religion. And, you know, so um, cutting his hair was kind of part of that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but there's many people in my family who are still religious and who still wear the bug and, you know, and wear it proudly. Yeah. I think it was really interesting from my perspective that it was great that Sanjeev Goli was the one that actually uh, presented the show and explored the show yeah. uh, rather than Hadeep Singh Kohli. Because in a way, um, Sanjeev Goli represented the everyday man, people yeah, like, like myself. Yeah. yeah, people like myself. You know, obviously I know loads of Sikhs. I've got loads of Sikh friends. Half my family is Sikh. But, you know, to really explore this, it needed someone that that almost had a more of an open mind and didn't necessarily know too much about the that side of the culture yeah. to really get in depth um, with the history behind the turban and, and the reasons for it and how much has progressed today. Um, you know, rather than say Hardeep Singh Kohli, who's always had the turban. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was really interesting to see it from his point of view and to kind of, because that's our point of view as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, very interesting program. You know. And really well um, done. And nice just to see it on, on the BBC and giving people beyond our community as well, yeah. the opportunity to get some insight into why we wear it and what it means and that it's not something that's aggressive or necessarily something that's to segregate, but just to kind of just a part of our, the Sikh identity. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, it was great to see, you know, the, the Sing Project showed in there, the exhibition by Amit and Naroop. Yeah, we went um, to that, didn't we? Yeah, it was a really great project. Amazing photography. Very powerful. Very powerful, yeah. And I'm glad they they showed that in this little documentary piece. Um, and also they showed uh, the Gutka warriors fighting and uh, yeah. the, some of the classes. Big up my boy Gov, who I saw sneaking in the background in that shot. <laughs> um, you know, so that will be something to eliminate knife crime off the streets. Get a few of those guys out there. That's. It was really great to see that, that that's being taught here. Yeah. I want to learn. Shall we? Shall yeah. We, shall we? If we ever have a son or a daughter... What a great martial Which, art to learn. You'd get a little bit carried away with that, to be fair. I mean, I think I'd probably end up just hurting myself because you shouldn't let me around knives. That's so around true. swords is definitely no-no. But, you know, hopefully we won't have a child who's as uh, clumsy as uh, me. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, if they get the, the clumsy side from you, then I'm already a dead man walking. <laughs> so, um, but let's discuss something that's been a big topic on the news this past week. Um, and actually touches on something that we spoke about last week when we were talking about the Rivers of Blood speech. And, um, you know, the whole issue over immigration, especially during that time period. This week, the Windrush scandal appeared in the news, uh, which is an, an immense shock to myself. It's just a fucking mess. It's uh, disgusting. It's disgusting and horrifying with some of the stories that you hear. But if we let's let's give some people some insight onto Windrush if they don't actually know what it's about. Yeah. Um, Windrush is uh, the name given to the generation of West Indian immigrants that came over to this country between 1948 and 1971. And the name Windrush actually is actually named after the HMT Empire Windrush, which is the, uh, the ship that brought everybody over. Uh, the first voyage was in June of 1948, um, and that brought over 492 immigrants to the port of Tilbury. And, you know, the reasons for them coming over was um, to fill uh, shortages in the labor market. So, you know, they're working in the NHS uh, and the transport industry, um, but they also faced a lot of prejudice and a lot of intolerance. So something that our communities could relate to as well during that same time period. But the, uh, the Commonwealth Immigrations Act came in. And by about 1972, the only people that were allowed entry thereafter were people that either had work permits or that had parents or grandparents that were born in the UK, um, you know, were allowed to gain entry into the country. But recently, there's been 
a change in the laws. Yeah, so basically recently there were changes to the laws that required people to have paperwork proof of continuous residence in the in the UK. But a lot of people haven't got that and they're struggling to prove that they're here legally. So Theresa May introduced the new regulations when she was Home Secretary to, um, and it required employers, landlords and the NHS to demand evidence of legal immigration status. And she described the measures as kind of being designed to create a hostile environment for people who were here illegally. Um, and then since then, Amber Rudd has kind of boasted that she's going to go even further and she's going to give officials more teeth to hunt mm. down and deport illegal migrants and accelerate the de- uh, deportation programme. Um, so basically, they're kind of when people have applied for uh, medical care, they've needed some kind of like treatment through the NHS yeah. or they've applied to get their um, passports renewed because a lot of people had passports and they're trying to renew them. They've then become aware of the fact that the documents don't exist. And let me just say these some of these stories actually happened more than 10 years ago. And, you know, we're, we're only just hearing about obviously these, you know, recent uh, policies that have just come out from the government. But a lot of these peoples have been going through immense amount of turmoil from, you know, from 10 years ago to today. People have been looking for work um, and didn't have the right documentation and haven't worked since. And that's been almost five years. People are homeless because of it. They've lost out on their pensions. There was a patient who needed cancer treatment and was denied that treatment. And he was had to pay £54,000 uh, for treatment, which it's is insanity. crazy. And we know people who are, you know, they've been trying to, uh, they're having babies and they're trying to kind of get registered with the maternity departments and they're having to prove that they're from here, yeah. even though they've been born and brought up here. Um, and to make it even worse, the Home Office destroyed loads of do- documents. There was landing cards that proved that these people, because it's a lot of the children of the Rindrush generation yeah. that are being affected by this. So they've destroyed the landing cards of their parents and their grandparents and they can't prove that they were here and born here and you know deserve to be here and have the right to live here legally. I mean, it seems like it's a numbers game. It, they're trying to balance the books on net migration. So they've picked on, I guess, what they feel is an easy target of poor black people thinking that they could get away with it. But... Obviously, it's backfiring massively now. Well, it backfired on Theresa May basically just this past week because she tried to blame Labour, um, you know, for the, that original controversial decision to destroy landing cards and slips and um, you know recording people's arrivals dates, um, and it actually just it rebounded in her face that one of the decisions to implement the policy took place in 2010 when she was the Home Secretary. Yep. So slap in the face there, Theresa May. Exactly. And I think that the backfiring has happened at quite a um, convenient time, at the time when the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting is happening in London. Yeah. Um, and so you've got all of the heads of state from all the Caribbean islands here, and they're now asking questions as to what is going on. Yeah. These people are being deported back. They have A lot of people have no family or connection to those islands. Yeah. People are being sent back to Jamaica and being told to unofficial government documentation being told to act Jamaican yeah, to try and fit about in. This. And it's such bullshit. It's such bullshit. And, you know, the Prime Minister of, of um, Jamaica is going, what the hell's going on here? I've got all these people coming. Like, you're trying to deport these people back here. Yeah. They've got nowhere to go. And what do we do with them? Like, how can we help them when they don't have anything to help them settle in again? Yeah. They don't, they are British citizens. Yeah. I was reading this uh, article um, and there's a quote from Adam Sinfield, who's actually a lawyer that's worked within the UK border agency. And um, his actual quote is, being born in the UK does not automatically confer citizenship, especially if you were born on or after the 1st of January 1983. 
British nationality law is incredibly complex and your nationality may depend on the status of your parents at the time of your birth, their country of origin and Commonwealth connections and many other factors, which is a damning statement. And it's a real eye opener, especially for us and our generation as well, because you look at Windrush and it's it's horrific what's happening right now with especially British citizens that have lived here, worked paid their taxes uh, just as much as our parents and their generation. Like, are we next? Well, you know what? I said after Brexit happened that the talk of immigration might have been about re-Europeans, but what pe- what is in people's minds, and you know I've said this to you a number of times, what's in people's minds are people like you and me, people of colour. Yeah. That's who they want out. Not They're not talking about your average French person that's wandering around. They might have a problem with them speaking French in the street, but you can't tell that they're French if they're just walking past you silently. We stand out because yeah. we have melanin. And people are so offended by our faces for some reason. And this, I think, is proof of that mentality. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, you know, it was okay for our parents to come over here and rebuild this country and work in the transport systems and the foundries and all of that stuff. Rebuild these industries that had died because they'd lost so many people in, the, in World War II. But then it's not okay for their children to build their lives here. Yeah. And to continue trying to build this country, but actually live off that success as well. Make some money for themselves. That's not okay. Yeah. We should fuck off. We should fuck off back home, basically. You know, every time I think of Windrush, my mind always goes back to Desmond's. Um, and it's-, it's a perfect example of a hardworking Caribbean family who build up a business from nothing and want only the best for their children. Yeah, exactly. It absolutely break my heart into pieces. If, um, you know, if he was still alive today, that that Desmond would have to be deported back to Guyana, you know, because growing up and watching that program gave me a real insight, not only to the culture, but the community and of people of Peckham and his generation and his family. Maybe that's a problem. There's a lack of those kind of shows on TV now to show any kind of insight as to what people are like. And that's the point of this podcast is to show, this is what we're talking to Tom about off air as well, is to show that actually we're normal people. We might be, you know, a brown married couple, but actually our life is exactly the same as, you know, next door's white couple who, who've got the same problems and are dealing with the same issues. Yeah. We're the same. And I think, and our values are the same. And I think there's a lack of that kind of TV um, access yeah. for people just to be able to sit around and go, actually, do you know what? They have the same problem with their kids. Their kids don't listen to them either. Or, you know, they work really hard like us. There's there's none of that on sh- on TV anymore. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, but it does. It it stems from you know talking about Rivers of Blood speech last week, um, and everything that was been spoken about on that rhetoric, and you know, in speaking about this thing in Windrush, nothing really has changed. I think it tried to change for a little bit, but it's just reverted back. Yeah, it's the easier stance to have, isn't it? Tell them all to piss off. We don't want to deal with them. But if we did, if we genuinely did all piss off, what would happen? Yeah, economy and infrastructure within this country, all the jobs within the the public sector, private sector. The NHS is built on the back of people from Commonwealth nationalities. Yeah. And if you don't have them, who's going to do the work? Don't say we steal jobs. We don't steal jobs either. The labour force is not there if we're not there. Yeah. And we're only doing it because we love this country. We want to be part of it. We just want to work hard and live our lives. And as do the Windrush generation and their kids, you know, those are British citizens that have been told that you are no longer welcome in this country. And it's a a damning state of affairs. And, you know, I look at that situation and it's it's heartbreaking for a number of people. And I hope that gets sorted out and dealt with very, very quickly. But my immediate thought process thereafter is looking at our communities and looking at, you know, our parents' generation, um, you know, 
a number of people do have the paperwork and things when they came over from East Africa and, and, and from India, but there may be a number of people who don't. And is this going to be the same effects and the same experiences that they'll have to go through thereafter? Well, I think that's where the risk lies. And I think people are saying that at the moment, that actually people from South Asia and from Africa are going to potentially face the same problems because of this legislation. But let's hope that that isn't the case. There does seem to be a slight ray of light for the uh, Windrush generation in that the National Archive has said that it has passenger records um, from the 1870s up to the 1960s. So that should at least a number of people who came over on on the boats that landed here um so they should hopefully be able to find names of relatives who came over or just, or then their own names on those archives fingers mm. crossed fingers crossed now hopefully a little bit of a little ray of light might be a step in the right direction uh for that generation because um you know without them in this country i think it'll be a, a lesser place definitely right uh anything else to um, just one last thing, a little bit more controversy that's happened Great. Um, over the past few days. So uh, some of you may know the name Maya Jammer. She's a radio presenter. She's fit as well, though, isn't it? She's beautiful. She is a radio presenter and she is uh, the girlfriend of Stormzy. She's been a little bit controversial um, because a tweet that she did, I think in 2012, has um, emerged, which was derogatory to darker skinned women. Um, and there's now uproar about this because there's lots of people who feel like that because she's a lighter skinned black woman, she's mixed race, she's half Somali, half Swedish, yeah. that she has benefited from the kind of ambiguity of her race in order to get further on in the in her media career. And that she's had maybe some extra doors open for her because of that. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of following that on Twitter. And it's there's some very good points being raised from all sides, I think. Uh, she's apologised, but it was slightly half-assed apology yeah, I think I um and I yeah she it didn't really go down very well and I can see the point of those people who were offended by her apology as well as her original tweet um but for me I feel like we need to just kind of move past this kind of intra-community prejudice that we have yeah um, it happens in the Asian community very much so as well Heavily. versus light-skinned people versus dark-skinned people but I feel like as women we need to stand together because we've got enough to deal with as a gender. Yeah. Um, and as people of colour, no matter how light or dark we are, we also face enough prejudice in this world, as we've just been discussing. And I feel like we should just be supporting each other. So we should not be making jokes of people and their skin colour. And we should not also be denying someone's race due to their you know, excess or lack of melanin. I feel like it becomes a two-way thing so you've got her saying things about dark-skinned girls and you've got dark-skinned girls saying things about light-skinned girls and I feel like maybe girls we just need to all be together on this and just go don't do not put down another woman who's doing something who's being successful and who's expressing herself the tweet was about dark-skinned women who shave their heads or something and why 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 does that need to be a thing like don't make comments of that sort don't increase of prejudice within your own community when we've got enough from outside yeah yeah personally yeah. is what i believe preach jojo b preach that preach 100 percent. women get oppressed enough it's ridiculous absolutely right okay so 
That's the end of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Before we leave, uh, a couple of rest in peace shout outs. First to Avicii, really sad news of him Very passing sad. away this week. Uh, Vern Troyer, who's a um, you know, massive hero to so many people. If you watch films in the 90s, he was just like so... An so, icon, an yeah. icon of that time period. Mini-Me and all the Austin Powers films, uh, only 49. Again, very sad. And of course, Dale Winton. That is so sad. I, I, I tweeted this week that, you know, for me, Dale Winton is an honorary Indian. Um, you know, because he spent most of his adult life around bargains in supermarkets, <laughs> as all Asians do. Um, he insisted the lottery would solve all your problems, just like all of our parents do. <laughs> Um, and he tried to shortcut fixing holes in the wall because um, oh just like all our parents do, <laughs> oh, you know, um, you know, and he was, he was such a, a, a household name and, you know, someone we'd see every day on Supermarket Suite up in these shows. And it's, it's again, really sad because he was just, I think, 61, 62 himself. Um, so, you know, a lot of our, you know, the people that we grew up watching and, you know, are yeah. sadly passing on. All gone before their time. Yeah. Re-emphasizing how old we're getting. <laughs> and they'll live in our memories. They will, and they'll live on in our memories indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Uh, you'll catch us again next week for more of the same. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo underscore B. And we'll see you next week, people. Peace. See ya.